0: Bishop Barron wrote an editorial, maybe around five years ago, which he titled, Why Christmas Should Bother Everybody. His headline caught my attention, mainly because I have always thought of today's celebration as very comforting. The smells of fresh baked sweets, the beauty of the lights and the trees, gathering for mass as a parish family, And our nativity, how lovely it is to pray before our newborn child, our savior. All of these warm my heart and bring me comfort. I'm sure you find the same in your life. So when he posed that question, why Christmas should bother everybody, I just had to read on. He shared a recent story and they got him thinking about that point. It was the ceremony for the lighting of the national Christmas tree two weeks prior, where the president remarked on the meaning of the season. He said that over these next few weeks, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, as we retell the story of weary travelers, a star, shepherds, magi, I hope that we also focus ourselves on the message that this child brought to this earth some 2,000 years ago, a message that says we have to be our brother's keepers, our sister's keepers, that we have to reach out to each other to forgive each other, to let the light of our good deeds shine for all, to care for the sick and the hungry and the downtrodden, and of course, to love one another, even our enemies, and treat one another the way we would want to be treated ourselves. It's a message that grounds not just my family's Christian faith, but that of Jewish Americans, Muslim Americans, non-believers, Americans of all backgrounds. These words are comforting. And Bishop Barron observed, that in a way there's nothing whatsoever wrong with these ideas and sentiments. Who could possibly be against treating others with respect, offering forgiveness for offenses, and caring for those in need? And he certainly couldn't blame the president for making these remarks. They were kind words striving to unify our nation. Both Democrat and Republican presidents have expressed similar convictions for many years. But what did bother Bishop Barron was reducing Christmas to a level so low that the Christian feast is offensive to precisely no one. If those words are correct, even those who profess no belief in God should welcome Christmas with nothing but enthusiasm. But to reduce our Savior's birth in this way is an offense to our God, and it undermines this feast, which in its essence is revolutionary, subversive, and if properly understood, offensive to just about everyone. What could he possibly mean by that? If we take an honest look at the Bible stories that recount Christmas, we'll find that they have precious little to do with being sentimental or about embracing simple teachings of right from wrong or the cultivation of a let's-all-get-along attitude. Matthew's gospel tells us of the real controversy found in the visit of the Magi. They were astrologers from the East, probably from Babylon, where a quasi-scientific star-gazing discipline was cultivated. They let it be known that they were in search of the newborn king of the Jews, whose star they had observed at its rising. When this news spread about, was it met with delight, enthusiasm, excitement, and sentimental feelings? No, it wasn't. Matthew tells us when King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why would the arrival of a tiny baby who would grow up to bear a message of love have excited such negativity? We have to remember that the child is described as a king, someone who comes to rule. More precisely, he's characterized as king of the Jews, and this was the very title that Herod claimed. Herod, quite correctly, saw him as a threat. But why would the entire capital be in an uproar? To grasp it, we have to remember the Bible consistently tells us that cities are the way we human beings typically organize ourselves politically, socially, and culturally, that Cain, the murderer of Abel, is the founder of cities, that Babel, full of arrogance and imperialistic designs, is seen as a typical city, that Jesus himself implied that the devil controls all the cities of the world. The trembling of all of the city of Jerusalem at the birth of the baby king is a function of the demand which that king will eventually make, the change that his rule will cause. Just to really make his point, Matthew tells us that Herod, having been duped by the Magi, furiously lashed out. He ordered the murder of every boy in Bethlehem under two years of age. It's not exactly the reaction of someone who's just delighted that the Christmas season has arrived. When we read Luke's version of the birth of Jesus, which we read today, we find very similar truths. Luke sets up his story as the tale of two rival emperors, caesar the king of the world and jesus the baby king while caesar rules from his palace in rome jesus has no place to lay his head while caesar exercises power over his vast empire jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes while caesar surrounds himself with wealthy and sophisticated people Jesus is surrounded by animals and shepherds of the field. And yet, the baby king is more powerful than Caesar Augustus. Jesus has an army of angels in the skies over Bethlehem. They are the sign of true power, real kingship. All four of the gospels play out as a struggle culminating in the deadly cross, the struggle between the worldly powers and the power of Christ. Jesus is not simply a kind prophet with a gentle message of forgiveness. He is God coming in person to assume command. He is the Lord. He is the King of the universe. And the entire New Testament couldn't be clearer that his lordship means that all those who follow a contrary rule are under judgment. To be sure, the distinctive mark of Jesus' lordship is love, compassion, forgiveness, and nonviolence. But this is not the stuff of sentimentality and warm feelings. It is a provocation, a challenge, a call to conversion of the most radical kind. It is the profound call to live not primarily for this world, but for the world to come, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants Christmas to bother us in a way that sparks our hearts, to marvel at the fact that he has intervened in our world, that he has come to save us from our sins, that he has and does and will continue to lead us to the Father. Christmas is the challenge for us to really believe and be converted, and leave behind all that keeps us from our God. This Christmas, as you smell the fresh-baked coffee cake in the morning, as you relax by the fire listening to beautiful Christmas music, as you enjoy the gifts and family time, and the joy on the faces of your children and grandchildren. Embrace the challenge that Christ offers to the world to live differently, to pray with a trusting reliance on Jesus at all times, to allow that newborn babe to be the king of your life and to rejoice wholeheartedly. After all, With all the saints and angels, we exclaim the truth today. Jesus Christ, our Savior, is born.